Stand up on your feet again, please. I'm sorry. We're, we're just up and down like, you know. At least we don't got those little prayer things in the front that got you going up and down, up and down. <laughs> yeah, that hurts. I went to a church like that one time. Um, we are talking about the kingdom today. And when, uh, whenever Jesus talked about the kingdom, uh, people got offended. So uh, what we're going to do right now is we're going to shuck that spirit of offense right out of your head right now. And we're going to make a pledge today. Only say it if you mean it. All right. Repeat after me today. I will put my feelings in my pocket and allow God to wash over me, to trust his word and to trust his servant. Thank you for that. Y'all can sit down now. God, I give this time and this day to you. I pray, Lord God, that this sermon will go as my heart intended that lord god i would be that empty vessel that i was when you gave it to me and that we would be able to present it in a light and in a way lord god that will encourage that will bring peace that will let your kingdom advance in jesus precious holy name i pray amen well, good morning again. Once again, Lady D, I'm just going to thank you for an awesome time in worship. You make this so easy for me. And then my beautiful wife comes up and makes it even easier because she's real easy on the eyes. Uh, so anyways, we are talking about the kingdom. Now, uh, whenever, this first, whenever Pastor Joy first mentioned this series, I was like, oh, yeah, we get to preach about kings. Yeah, that's not where God sent me. Um, the kingdom of God is different than anything that we have ever experienced in life. The kingdom of God is about his kingdom. It's not about our stuff, which is what I generally make the center of my attention is me because, you know, I'm so awesome. I guess I'm the only one that feel that way, but I have learned over the years that I'm not that important. I never have been. Never will be. What's most important to me these days is advancing the kingdom of God and adhering to what his call is on my life. Now, what is the kingdom of God? I found a few scriptures that uh, kind of help me and help remind me of what the kingdom of God is. I'm going to start with John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And uh, this is a uh, experience that... Uh, Someone that was supposed to know God and knows his ways had in a conversation with Jesus. And it reads like this. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again how many how many people is that's a very basic scripture for most of us in here right and we look at that scripture and we say well i've been born again holy ghost speaking devil stumping i'm ready to get busy right wrong we're wrong the very first response that he had uh well lord how am i going to go back into my mother's womb and be born again where did he go he went from being in the spiritual to right back to being in the physical don't know about y'all but whenever i'm facing a, a, a stronghold of someone else or whenever i'm facing one of my own strongholds i try to defeat it on my own i'll be like you ain't beating me devil yeah he will 
if we just look at it for what it is. What we tend to do, what I tend to do, I'm just going to keep this on me so that don't nobody get no offense in here. What I tend to do is I tend to fall back into myself and think about what it is that I can do to fix stuff. Do I got any fixers in here? Right? Your kid acting up, what you going to do? You going to fix them. Right? Your man acting up, I got to fix him. Your woman acting up, all right, I ain't nothing I can do about that. She's, she's smarter than me. Right? And so here's what ended up happening out of that conversation. Jesus used some very practical things to explain to him the difference between the kingdom and earthly thoughts. And here's here's what he said in John chapter 12, going down a little bit farther. I mean, chapter 3, verse 12. He says, um, I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe me if I speak of heavenly things? We skip that part. Most of us do. I skipped that part for a number of years. You know why? Because I figured my lack of understanding gave me an excuse not to do. Well, Earl's preaching now. When our lack of understanding is our crutch, the enemy can get real busy with that. Our lack of understanding. Why is it that God always refers back? To his word. Why is it that Jesus always referred back to the word of God whenever he teaches? It's because if it's not known what it is that's going on, we are susceptible to what the enemy knows. And I'm telling you something. He knows the word of God. How many people can say amen to that? He knows the word of God. And the things that he know about the word of God, he uses against God. Right? Now, I happen to be one of those people that is married to a person that thinks about, I don't know, 10, 12 times faster than me. So whenever I go at her, I already have my argument in my head. I already know how this is going to go. I'm going to go to her and I'm going to say, this is what I need to do. And she's going to come back at me with, you know, that's stupid. And then I'm going to say, yeah, it would seem stupid on the surface, but in the long run, no, it ain't no long run, baby. Just think about what you're saying. It's just that simple. When you really look at what the enemy throws at us, how many people know that the enemy uses the same attack over and over and over and over and over and over again until you find a way to get over that or to get past that or to work your way through that. You know, these generational curses that was that my father had, those generational curses that my grandfather had, those um, habits that I have developed over the years kind of keeps me from growing in what God's plan is for me because I'm so stuck in what I'm used to. I am so looking at what I can see. I am so looking at what I can smell or what I can touch. There's no way I can reach heaven. Right? How many people pray that prayer? Lord, your will be done. Cop out for most of us. That's our, that's our insurance policy that if it don't go the way that we think that it's going to go, then it was God's will or someone else's lack of faith. My brothers and sisters, we should not do those things. I pray in confidence now. Not that I'm all that, but he's all that. When I say, Lord, we, we, we bring down healing right now. That ugly cancer ain't got no place in that body and release it right now. The blood of Jesus saved us on the cross. The suffering that he did, those stripes that he bore was for us and doggone it. It is not your will for us to suffer. So by your word is what I stand. Can
cancer be gone now in the name of Jesus Christ and walk away. That's how you do it. You ain't going up against it. My God is going up against it. How many people know he ain't never been defeated? Amen. I want y'all to know something. A lot of us rely on the things that we do. For the kingdom or in ministry. To justify who we are. Here's an example in Luke. Luke 4, 40 through 44. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses. And laying hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because he knew. They knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and they went. And when they came to where he was, he tried to keep them from. Uh, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, "I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other people also, because that is why I was sent." And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So here's what happens. So Jesus goes to a place. Uh, his, his reputation is building. So now everybody and their mama is bringing everybody that they know with a problem. It's much like um, when people come in here and they get a good word from God or they, get, they receive a healing, they go out and they tell somebody else and then that somebody else tells somebody else and then that somebody else tells somebody else that's been suffering. And so that's the way that it went. And those ministries was going on. But what did Jesus say right here he said yeah all of this stuff has been done but the greater thing is yet to do which is to proclaim the kingdom of God to everybody else so all the healing that he did that day and all the people that he spoke to that day meant nothing if he did not continue the task of spreading the good news So it don't matter how many people that we feed down in that kitchen downstairs if we're feeding them with uh, 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 the mindset that we are feeding their bellies and providing a need so that they would know who Vision Ministries is. We're doing it for the wrong reason. But if we are feeding their bellies, praying for their souls and expecting the kingdom to advance from that, then we're doing the right thing. When we open up the word of God and we spread the good news of the gospel before every meal, when we pray over people who are in need that's what makes the difference there is no soup kitchen in this building there is ministry and within that realm we expect God to do mighty things and if you don't go into it expecting God to do mighty things then you have wrong motives and when we have wrong motives what happens we fail we get tired We start making excuses why we can't be there. When we have wrong motives, we move forward to a place where our doubt sends us back to what we were most comfortable with. It was so much easier to deal when I was high. Until I sobered up and it was still there. It's so much easier to yell and scream and jump up and down and maybe punch a wall or two. Then you got to pay for that stuff that you tow up. 
It's so much easier just to not do until it piles up to a point where you just don't know which way to turn. We are so aware of the things that's in front of us, we can't see past to what is for us and who is for us. For me, I ain't even living in this moment. See, because those few words that I spent in this moment, that moment is past. I'm looking forward now, and it's kind of a strength and a weakness for me. Because when I meet people, I look at who they can be. I don't look at who they are. Right? When I, when I see people, I see prophets, and I see evangelists, and I see healers, and I see, you know, I, I see God just doing amazing things. I, I see, you know, stadiums being filled with testimonies of people who have had their lives changed by the words that someone else spoke from the word of God that they have received that has been put down in them like nobody else could be able to do but God. That's what I see. But when I look at the mirror of myself a lot of times, I'm sorry to say, I see who I was. And when I see who I was, it ain't pretty. You know, I used to be a fat kid. Still got, you know, a few more than I need. But I remember um, probably about my, my freshman year in, in high school that fat started turning to muscle. And Everybody else around me, they saw the muscle, and I still saw the fat. So many of us come into the house of God hurting, broken, feeling like we're less than, expecting everybody to be talking about us behind our back. And God has been working on you from the time you walked into this door up to date. And little layers have been peeled off of you, and everybody else around you is seeing you in a different light except for you. Everybody else see the changes that God has made in your life. The preacher is asking you to do some things now. You should have seen my face when Pastor Keith said, "Um, we want you and Renee to be our children's pastors. You want me to what? You expect people to trust me with their children? And he said, they already do. Oh, Pastor, if they only knew how many times I walked on them boys' stomachs. If they only knew how many times I took them out in the doggone field and played football with the littlest one (laughs) and tossed them to the bigger ones. And they loved it. And they loved me. I saw myself as the hard person that chased more after crack cocaine than I did after life in general. I seen a person that was selfish, not knowing which way to turn and making bad decisions. That's what I saw. But what my pastor saw in me was a person with a passion for little boys to know who real men are that get up, go to work in the morning, take care of his own doggone kids before he tries to take care of the neighborhood, loves his wife with everything in him. That's what they saw. But I still saw a man that was making bad decisions. Luke chapter 11 verse 2 read this in the new king james version says so he said to them when you pray say our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven what is that telling us this isn't god's kingdom 
yet. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, and Steve is going to correct me or Pat is going to correct me if I'm not wrong, you know, this is still the devil's. Satan still rules here. There's darkness all around us. This is why we are aliens. You know them people from another place. But what we pray for is for God through his sovereignty, through his might, through the glory that we want revealed to those that are lost in that darkness, that they would come to know him the same way we know him, right? If we're doing the same things that the world is doing, what do we have to offer? And if we are more worried about what's going on here, then how are we going to understand what's going on there? It goes back to the Nicodemus conversation. Nicodemus was so worried about how can this physically happen? How can I pay these bills? I got $2,000 in bill and a $300 check. How am I going to make that and give God his 10? Right? Forget that. Give God his 10, an extra 25, and then, you know, his 10%. Throw in the extra 25 and just trust God to do the rest. I don't know how it works out, but God's math works great for our house. I remember when I used to try to keep that whole 300. And it was going faster than I could, you know, like say, here you go, baby. By the time baby get out of my mouth, we broke. Now I say, here you go, baby. And I'll be like, hey, baby, I know I need some gas. It's the end of the week. And she'll be like, I got it. What? God's math. I love it. Right? Want to talk to us a little bit. Now, there's a different way of thinking. You have a person that think in terms of this world. And then you have people that thinks in terms of God's world. And so what I come to know that is, is a kingdom mindset. Now, there's a big difference in a person that comes to church and a person that is the church, right? A person that comes to church, come, sit down, hear a good word, get their ear tickled, come up, get prayed for, might fall down, might not, but they feel good when they leave the altar and then they go back out, do whatever it is that they want to do and keep on, keep it moving. And say, shoot, I went to church. And they might come back and come back again and come back again and come back again. But without there being a change in this part of you, then this part of you is never going to be able to receive. If, if there is no change of mind, if there is no difference in the way that you feel about the kingdom, then there is no way you can be effective in ministry, what did Jesus say? You must be born again. If you're born again, you're not thinking the same. If you're born again, you're not reacting to ways, the same, things the same ways. If you are born again, then that means you start all over. You have a fresh perspective on everything else, including your mind. A lot of people say hard, 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 hard. Yeah, I agree with hard, 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 hard. But the Bible also says that the heart will deceive you. How many people can say amen to that? How many bad relationships have we been in? So if we look at the word of God or as a whole, yes, it's good to have a good heart. But you also must have a strong mind. Amen. So we're going to talk about this kingdom mindset a little bit. I, I picked up on Mark um, verse the, uh, 8, verses 31 through 33. He said, uh, he then began to teach them uh, 
that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days raised again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I broke that down for me because, you know, I have to go down to third grade level. Um, For me, basically, the kingdom mindset is one that has in mind the concerns of God over over the concerns of self. Amen, brother. I don't know how to describe the feeling I had when I loved my wife more than myself. I remember when my first daughter was born. And she came really quick. She came so fast, I didn't even make it in the room. She was just, boop, here. And I go in, and I'm going to tell y'all something. They talk about the beauty of birth. It it ain't that pretty. (laughs) But what's beautiful in it is the moment that you know that there is a part of you, a part of your eternity being presented to you in the flesh. And what I see here, when Jesus told Peter, get behind me. Now, Peter, he had every good intention in what he was telling Jesus. Amen? He was like, Jesus, you my boy, but man, we don't even got to go through this. Dude, I done seen you do some crazy, miraculous things. I know doggone well you're not telling me that I have to sit here and watch you die. I won't watch you do that. How many of us have told our children or told someone else that we love, you know what, if you're going to do that, get away from me. Because I can't watch you take yourself out like that. And that's what Peter's intent was. But then Jesus made it as plain as he could possibly make it to him. You know what? It's not even about me right here. It's about you. You're worried about what you're not going to be capable of doing when I'm not around anymore. Because you don't see the big picture. How many people know people? Before they know everything that's going on, they know everything that's going on. So I'm trying to do your job. 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 And I can't do any of them effectively because I don't understand what it takes to get this little widget built. All I know is that there are holes that need to be filled. You know what? There are a lot of holes that need to be filled in this ministry. I'm just being real about it. And in those holes that need to be filled in this ministry, I remember my wife and I, we did everything that we could to plug every hole that we saw. And all it did was made us tired. Okay, I can't speak for her. It made me tired. And it made me frustrated. And then one day I woke up, and I was praying. And at that time, I wasn't even praying every day. But I distinctly heard God say to me, you're getting in the way of other people being able to advance. There was relief, but there was pain. And the reason why there was pain, because they can't do it like I can. That was my attitude. See, Peter was one of Jesus' protectors, along with the sons of thunder. (laughs) Peter wasn't a very nice person in the way that he spoke. 
And he's telling Jesus, dude, wherever you go, whatever it is that you do, I got your back. You're not going to die. And Jesus said, here's what you got to do. You got to get out of the way and let me do what I got to do. Sometimes that person that tries to help you, I get in my wife more asking her, what can I do, baby? What can I do, baby? What can I do, baby? Than I do if I just sit back and wait for her to say, hey, come here and do this. We get in the way of other people by trying to do something that God has already started doing. The American church is more different than any other church in the world. We are so busy trying to meet the tangible needs of people that we forget that the message is supposed to be about the kingdom, not what it is that we do. So we can have all the programs in the world in place if the word of God isn't preached in spirit and in truth, pointing every, everyone back to the kingdom, then we fail. Erase that, erase that ministry. Right now, just filling the holes that are necessary, this meeting that we're having downstairs today. Do you know the difference it makes when someone meets you at the door with a smile, taking you to get some Wixies and some cool coffee? Do you know the difference it makes when somebody shakes your hand with a smile and says, you know what, welcome. And we have a beautiful church here. And we're very good at that for the people that's doing it. But could you imagine people being on a rotating schedule, able to sit in here, enjoy the service, get their uh, Jesus on, and get filled up so that they can pour out each and every time. This is the difference between a kingdom mindset and a selfish mindset. There are some people that might come through these doors that that's what they need to do is sit in here in the sanctuary, soak God in, continue to do what it is that they do to get the more God that they need to move forward. There are people that's like that. But many of us have been coming in here sitting down and saying, but I need more. Okay, you fat enough. Share. I got in trouble last time I said that. You are spiritually fat enough. Did I make that clear? So, Pastor Joy, on this tape, you see that I said you are spiritually fat enough to be able to get up off of it before you weebly wobbling and you too doggone holy to get anything done. I'm in so much trouble. But think about it. You sit here at the table, you eat and you eat and you eat and you eat and you eat. You don't even get up to go to the bathroom. So where's it all going? Starting to bulge at the sides a little bit. Starting to move back a little bit further from the table. Starting to get more in your head than you are in his in his purpose. When I give back, I grow. When my mind is off of me and my issues, I move forward. So our kingdom mindset is to be one to give because that's what we do. We don't know nothing else here. We do ministry. We go out. We tell people about Jesus. We pass water bottles out. We go to Walmart and just stop people in the aisles and pray for them for healing. Uh Uh-huh, Pastor Steve. You know, our teens just go up and down the street and knock on doors and say, be blessed by Jesus. You know, this is who we are. This is what we do. Can you imagine an army of us? I'm not one that would hope that one day we would have, you know, people lined up to get in here.
here. That's not what it's about. It's about the kingdom mindset in me is saying they come in, they get prepped, they go out. The word of God says to go and make disciples to carry the word on. So you come in, get what it is that you need. I don't care if you're only here for a season. We're only following what the word of God has called for you to do. If I'm thinking about vision ministries and what Pastor Earl want, then I'm out of pocket. I'm not doing what it is that I'm supposed to do. And God will fix that. Believe you me, when his people get out of pocket. Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2. One of everybody's in here favorite verses, I hope. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. By what? By what? Ah, then you will be able to what? Test. And of what God's will is. His what? And. 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 Since. Oh, what else do we need to hear in here? Amen. I done did my preaching. Let's go. has to be changed in our thought process in the way that we think because get mad at me if you want to but if you sit there and you be real honest with yourself all of us in here think of ourselves first not so much what's in it for me not so much what I get out of it but then we get to thinking what's the purpose for this Especially when you sacrifice in time. Especially when you have to put extra energy in it. Do you know how difficult it is to work 40 hours a week and then do ministry at minimum three nights a week where you are preaching, where you are praying for people, where you are teaching the word of God, where you have volunteers that's going through it? Do you know how difficult it is to have to deal with other people's stuff and then come up here cook a meal and then hang out later and deal with uh volunteers that's not very happy it gets a little bit difficult and if it's about me if it's about the way that i think if it's about what i want i'm not going to be able to make it because at some point i'm going to be burnt out and this has been going on for my wife and i for more than five years closer to eight for about eight years It's just been going, huh? Our favorite thing is, it is what it is. Say, baby, we got to do this, 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 and this. It is what it is, baby. Let's keep it rolling. But that's the way we're made up. But how awesome would it be if a preacher was raised up to take over one of those nights? What would happen if someone just had a testimony that they wanted to share one time that would give some relief. What would happen if someone had the same passion, the same drive, the same desire for people to know God in a way that would make us comfortable to allow them to grow in that? 
that kind of, it didn't kind of happen. That's what happened with us with the giveaway, which is this Saturday, by the way, that we'll be needing help because we got a lot of stuff. But that kind of happened with us with the giveaway. With Lewis and Stephanie, we seen a passion and a desire that they had for the loss, and we seen a drive in them, and, and, and they were, they, they were sharing vision with us on how they could see that thing advance and grow in ministry to other people. It's not the same way we were doing it. But it's getting done, and it's getting done in excellence, and uh, thank you. I don't got to be up here every third Saturday anymore. So what if somebody took a Wednesday for me, or a Monday for me, or a Friday, which is the most difficult for me to be here? I'm, I'm not one. I preach enough. Believe you me, I preach enough. I'm not one to say, I don't feel like, I, I don't feel like preaching because, you know, I do like the way I sound sometimes. But I'm not one that's not willing to give it up. Shoot, a couple of people said, hey, I got a word, okay. And then a couple of people said, I got a word. No, you don't. You ain't ready. But I can help you get ready. See, that's another thing about the renewing of our mind. We have to be ready. And people, please, let's not get so holy nobody understands us. How are you today? Blessed by the best. Then go around the corner, expletive, 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 and why are they speaking to me? Let's not get so holy that the words that we speak always talking in tongues. What did Jesus, what did Peter say or Paul say? If I speak with the tongues of angels but have not love, I don't got, I ain't nobody. Yeah. If, if I just, if I just act crazy a little bit and go wild uh, during service and then go out there and kick somebody in the head, what good did it do? If I stand up here and look up a whole bunch of big words to be the best orator that you ever heard and none of it pertains to what you're going through in life, It's just a bunch of words. What if I just stand up here and give you my opinion this whole time instead of sharing the word of God with you? I want you to understand something. Practical teaching also has a purpose. And what I mean by practical, everyday stuff that we have to deal with. That's what I do downstairs. I don't preach that much downstairs as much as I do, you know, talk stuff. I talk big stuff downstairs. Reason why you're still a drug addict is because you won't stop using. <laughs> Practical to me. Yes, I know it's difficult. Been there. And they understand that. But then you still have to make the choice. And you still have to make decisions that's going to make that change happen. So I'm going to say <clears throat> practical teaching opens doors that have been sealed for a while. Y'all could tweet that if y'all want to. That is an awesome saying. Luke 8, verse 10. And he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of God, of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, it is given in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. What what was Jesus teaching his disciples then? Y'all supposed to know this stuff. If you had that renewing of your mind, I wouldn't have to break this down for you the way that I have to break it down. A kingdom mind also 
is to simplify what our spiritual needs are. A lot of reading here. Luke chapter 8, verses 11 through 15. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes in and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, oh, sorry, who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in the time of temptation fall away. Now, the ones that fall among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word, with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Can anybody tell me what purpose or what parable that came from? Anybody? Sower in the seed? Said a man went out to sow seed as he was walking along the path. Some fell on rocks. Some fell in the thorns. Some he planted on good soil. And the people didn't understand that. So Jesus had to break it down for his disciples. This is why we have discipleship classes. This is why we have Wednesday nights. Because we don't understand everything. As a matter of fact, I learn more teaching than I do sitting in the class most times. Why? Because you got to do research. One thing that my wife and I, one, one advantage we had um, starting out in ministry was we had to brush up on our biblical knowledge. And for those of you who don't know, my kids were pretty stinking smart. They take after their mama. So I can't have my kids smarter than me. I'm, I'm just that kind of person. I am very competitive. Well, here I'm looking at how Jesus had to break down to his own people that have witnessed everything that was going on, who would have a kingdom mindset, he still needs to sit down and he needs to give them understanding of a practical, uh, I'm sorry, a practical explanation of what seemed to be a difficult situation. I mean, even when I was reading through the parable itself, I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. That kind of makes sense. That kind of makes sense. And even I think we did it for kids church and we did a little skit about that. And we had some some kids that went in the rocks and then they just took off. We're done. And oh, no, those were the ones that withered up and burned up with the sun. And then I had kids that were in the thorns and they started getting choked out and they were like laying on the floor. Oh, help me. These thorns, they really hurt and stuff like that. And then we had the good ones that was, hey, party, we got Jesus with us. And then more kids were added to that. More kids were added to that. More kids were added to that to show that the multiplication comes not from what it is that we do. It comes from what we allow to do God to do in us. And the unity that we would have and the way that we are planted that would take root where we would sink down in and have a home that we go to. I don't know about y'all, but me and my family has been homeless before. And it's a terrible feeling not knowing where you sleep in tomorrow. 
So I can imagine being a person that's looking for a home church that has no roots that's set, that is looking for some place to plant their roots, that have had what's in them that God has put in them, and then they come through these doors, and if we are have not been trained up in how to present ourselves in unity, then we're going to end up getting choked out. If, if we don't have that singleness of purpose, if we don't have the desire, if those of you that are sitting out here doesn't have the same passion to give hope to others, then we're missing it and we're not going to make it. But if you catch on and this thing catches fire the way that it should catch fire, then not only are you going to come and sit in the pews, but you're going to be up here on Wednesdays getting yourself trained up to be able to do the things that are necessary for us to advance. So instead of us sitting here and swelling our own heads up and um, hiding behind these walls, we are going out and we are boldly proclaiming the gospel through the testimonies that we have of what we ourselves have had to go through to get where we're at that makes them happy. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I talk about marriage and family all the time, and I do it in a way that's always positive. Why? Because even through the hard times, everything about my marriage, I love it. My children, I love them. Going home, I love going home. Sometimes I don't answer the door, do I, Chris? I'm serious. I'll be up in there and come around March Madness. Be looking right at you. Can't you let me in, dude? Especially if she's doing those, where's those macaroni and cheese things that she fry? No, I ain't sharing those. I don't like giving them to my kids. <coughs> Today, I want us to do something. I want you to commit to this body if you haven't already. And when I say commit to this body, I mean, I don't want to just see you on Sundays. Now, I might not be up here every time the door open, but most of the times the door, door is open, I'm here. I don't like doing that. Because that means I'm doing too much. Um, you are missing out on opportunities from me doing too much. And you know something? I bet you we do enough stuff that's enough fun that kid that you've been praying for for the last five years will be willing to come up here and help you do stuff, even if they're not willing to come up here and go to church. You know how Pastor Joshua started? Community service. Sitting right up here laughing at us until God called him down and put him down. You know how I got started? Chasing this little white dude in a basketball around the city trying to get other kids to come, helping them fix bikes and roofs. I wouldn't go into the building, but I was around it. Our purpose in life is to give hope if you're a part of this body. So here's the deal. Next screen. Hope is alive. 
don't think y'all heard me in here. Maybe the rain is too loud. Hope is alive. All right, I'm going to try this one more time. Hope is alive. Hope is alive in me. Hope is alive in Pat. Hope is alive in Pastor Ben. Hope is alive in Chris. Hope is alive in Marty. Hope is alive in John. Hope is alive in... Are y'all with me with this? Hope is alive. This is what we do. So in everything we do, we are bringing hope to others. Sometimes it may mean sacrificing your time. So what? What are you doing anyway? For real. Unless it's playoffs or merch madness, man. Hope is alive. Hope is alive in the very depths of my heart. Hope is alive for that single mother that's out there that don't know how she's going to feed her child. And then when she get a way to feed them, her habit keeps her from getting that child what that child needs. I haven't seen this too many times. I can't do it by myself. If hope is not alive in us, where are they going to find it? If hope is not alive in me, how can I lead you? Our whole purpose is to bring hope to others through the love of Jesus Christ. How can we do that without understanding why? Without being willing to change our perspective, our view, and our way of getting things done. From being a person that was Accused of two murders and not doing a day. Being a person that was accused of having more weapons than the army and not doing a day. Being accused of a man that was selling seven ounces of dope liars and not doing a day. To being a person used by God and trying to make a difference. Just a little bit of a difference in the community that God has placed me in. As Paul would say, I beseech you, my brothers and sisters, to find in your heart a way to help me show the world that hope is alive. Would you stand up for a minute, please? Do you believe that hope is alive? Do you believe that hope is alive? I'm just going to ask right now, if there is anyone in here with every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to do it this way because some of us are a little shy. If there is anybody in here that's not sure that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that they have accepted him as their Lord and Savior, Today is your day to come up here and to say, uh, you are my Lord. You are my king. 